Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning and to share the word with you. Before we begin, let us pray. All right. Our Father, we again uh, come to adore you. We come to worship you in all of your majesty and your holiness, Lord, all of your goodness and greatness. Lord, I would pray if there is anybody here this morning that cannot within their heart praise you. Lord, I pray that you would do a great work in their heart this day. I pray that by the end of the service they would be praising you. They would be worshiping you. Lord, you know every one of our hearts. You you know where we are spiritually. You know the concerns and the joys that we are experiencing. Lord, you know everything. And that is why we gather together to give you great praise, to look into your word, to see what it would say to us, that we can grow in our faith, that we can become more like you. Lord, we just commit the time to you this morning. I trust you that you will speak through me, that you will speak to hearts. Lord, the people here need to hear from you this morning, and I pray that they will. Lord, we just commit the time to you and give you all praise in Christ's name. Amen. A number of years ago, I think it's been five, six years ago, we began attending here at Trinity. And not too long after starting here, uh, Alan asked me if I would be interested in being involved in the uh, prison ministry. And I said I would. That turned out to be a great blessing. Uh, Thank you, Alan, for inviting me to do that. It's been a joy to be able to go down to the prison. Uh, And again, I would encourage any of the men here, young men, older men, to be involved. Uh, It's a great opportunity to serve. Uh, Once you get over the initial intimidation of walking into a prison, it's it's not bad after that. And the men are a joy. They really are. Uh, They love the Lord and uh, they desire to uh, have people come and teach them. And it is a blessing to be there. And for these last few months, I've been going through on Wednesdays, First uh, Peter. I went through on a verse-by-verse basis, rather paragraph-by-paragraph basis of First Peter. Uh, I think I calculated up, it took me about nine months, ten months, something like that to go through First Peter. Uh, we won't go through that all today, so you don't have to be concerned. But... Back in uh, February, I was finishing up First uh, Peter, and I did the section First uh, Peter 5, 5 through 11. And as I was going through that section, uh, the verse in the middle of the section there, the one we're going to look at today, First Peter 5, 7, First Peter 5, 7, I was struck, you know, that would be a verse uh, that would be worthwhile to ex- expand on at some time. And then when uh, Jim asked me about speaking here today, I thought of that. And I thought, well, I, I think that is the verse that we'll, we'll take a look at. So if you have your scriptures with you, First Peter 
5, 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, if there's some new believers here, uh, I should tell you that you should uh, be concerned anytime someone like me gets up in the pulpit and takes out one particular verse and, and preaches on it because there's a very great danger there. The danger is that they're going to take the verse out of the context that it's in and make it say something that it doesn't say. Now, I think for all of us that have been in the faith for a number of years, we understand that, and we are aware of that, and we are prepared for that. And I don't think that that really is too much of a concern for anybody that preaches here in this pulpit, because I think that the elders here at this church are going to make sure that whoever is preaching here is not going to do that. But just so that you're aware of that, that sometimes that happens, that people will take a verse and make it mean something that it doesn't mean. So I want you to be sure that you're clear of the context that we're talking about here. So let me go through, just briefly review First Peter with you. And so you can get some idea of the context. If you want to go back to the very first verse of chapter 1 of First Peter... We know it's written by Peter. He says so. Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, Pontius, Galatians, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So we know from the beginning that Peter is writing to exiles. Uh, these are believers that had been forced out of the homes that they were in because of persecution and have gone to these various places. Now, I won't go through all of the verses here in First Peter, but you can at your leisure look at them. And Peter is addressing these exiles. He is addressing the concerns that they have. He wants to encourage them. They are facing persecution. Difficult things are happening in their lives. And Peter speaks to that. He, he talks about the difficulties they're facing, the trials that they're facing, but most of all, he talks about how God is with them, how God is going to sustain them, God is going to be there for them, God is working all of these things for his purposes. If you're still there in chapter 1, look down to verse uh, 6, 7. Oh, verse 6, I'm sorry. In this you rejoice, though... For uh, now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. These, these are real trials that these people are facing. Uh, I, I couldn't help but compare it somewhat to the situation that's going, taking place now in Ukraine. Uh, the mission organization that we were with for a number of years has missionaries in Ukraine. Well, had. They're all out of Ukraine now in Poland ministering to the refugees that are there in Poland. And, of course, we're getting stories after stories of what's happening there. And uh, numbers of believers have had to leave Ukraine. I mean, they've been forced out. They, they are now exiles in a very real sense. 
Uh, if you could imagine that, you know, that somehow we were forced out of our homes and had to go to another country, you would imagine the situation. And this is, these are the people that Peter is speaking to here. They are exiles. They, this, where they're at is not, not their home. Now, that's the general context of First Peter. Again, Peter's speaking to their needs. He's speaking to the fact that God is working in their lives. God is, is, has not forgotten them. God is with them. God will sustain them. So now let's look at the immediate context, back to 1 Peter 5. And I'm going to pick up with verse 5 and then back through verse 7. 1 Peter 5, 5. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, the previous verses, he had been talking about elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Again, Peter is trying to encourage these believers that the difficulties and the trials that they are, are undergoing is worth it. God is going to reward them. God is going to bless them. He will exalt them. Humble yourselves then under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. These people had anxieties. I mean, they had worries. They had concerns. So Peter is encouraging them to cast those anxieties onto God. Now, when I started reading that verse and they hit the first word there, casting, uh, my first thought, immediate thought was, took me back about 60, 65 years ago. And we were on vacation as a family. We would go up north in Michigan. Anything north of Detroit is up north. So it can be here to up here. It's all up north. And we had to go to a cabin on a lake. And after dinner and the evenings, my dad would take my brother and I out on the boat and we would go fishing. Now, when we were little, all we had was a cane pole. You know, we'd put the worm on the hook and you just kind of plop the thing out there. But my dad, he had a rod and reel, and he cast out there, and I thought, that's really nice. And as we got a little older, he got rods and reels for my brother and I, and I had been watching him, and I thought, well, this is easy. You know, you just take it, go like that. Of course, the first time you do it, it goes splash right in front of you because there's some coordination involved in doing this. But after a while, I got the hang of it, and I could cast that thing out there. Now... It's the word, English word here is casting, but in the, in the Greek, that's not quite the idea. Uh, the idea here in the Greek is more the idea of taking something and depositing it with somebody else. The idea would be like if you took your money to the bank and you, you deposited your money with the bank, and the bank then would take care of it. That's the idea that Peter is, is trying to convey here. You're taking something that you have and you're depositing it with somebody else and they're going to take care of it. They're going to watch over it. They're going to do whatever is necessary. Now, 
I, at this point, I know somebody is, is going to raise, not an objection, uh, they're going to raise a concern here, and they're going to probably say, Dick, I understand what you're talking about, and I believe this verse. And I, I try to cast my anxieties onto God. But just like in your example, all I do is what? Reel it back again, and then I start worrying about it again. Or the example of the deposit at the bank, all I do is make a withdrawal and take the thing back out, and I hang on, we'll get to that at the end. Next one, he says, all. Casting all. Now, the idea here that Peter's trying to convey is all in the sense of everything. All, not all in the sense of the immediate anxieties that you're facing, not just the immediate concerns that you have, but all in the sense of everything, every anxiety that you may have into the future, all of that we're casting onto him. Uh, and I think what he's trying to get across to us here is this, is to do a couple things. One is to help us to understand how to do this, continue to do this by casting all on him, the immediate ones, but also to think about the future. And there's going to be anxieties in the future. Uh, there are still going to be worries. There are still going to be concerns. Uh, it's, it's going to happen all the way through life. And we need to make a determination. We need to decide, I am going to take all of my anxieties, all of my worries, all of my concerns, I'm going to cast them all onto him. Not, not just the immediate ones, but the ones that maybe are going to be in the future that I'm not even aware of yet. I'm going to cast them all onto, onto God. Now, then comes the next, <clears throat> next one, casting all your anxieties. Now, uh, do you have any now that might, I, I was thinking that maybe I would just start here at the front and just ask every person, go up here and then come back down here, and I'll ask every one of you, do you have any anxieties, any worries, any concerns? I, I would think all of us would say yes. All of us would. Now, if you don't have any, I'll be glad to tell you about some things that you should be anxious about. So you, everybody will have some. I, I can give you some. All you have to do is turn on the news these days, and that gives you some anxiety. Uh, you know, that we have a crazy person on the other side of the world that may do something really bad, and that's some cause for anxiety. Or you may be going through some personal anxiety of your own. Maybe there's some illness or something that you're facing uh, It's causing anxiety. Uh, maybe there's a job situation that you're worried about, and that's giving you some worries. Or maybe even for the teenagers or the young people here, maybe there's some issues at school or at home that are giving you some worries or concerns. I don't think that we have to think too far or too long to come up with examples of anxieties. I, th I think we're all aware of them, that we all have some to various degrees. And some, again, are, are bigger than others, but they're all legitimate anxieties and worries. I don't mean to demean anything that you are concerned about or worried about. I tried to be careful about this when I was a uh, 
father of smaller children because children will come to you with anxieties and concerns or worries. And what's the temptation to say? Oh, that's nothing to worry about. Well, it is if you're them. You know, obviously no worry to me, but it's a worry to them. And every worry is a legitimate concern. It doesn't do any good to say to somebody, oh, that's nothing to worry about. Well, you're not in their shoes. So anxieties, I think we do have them. The next word there, the next two words are the most important in this verse. These, the him and the he. The him and the he. Those are the most important words in, in this verse. Because that's talking about God. Now, if let me just make a substitution here. And let me read this verse again. Casting all your anxieties on Dick Mills, because Dick Mills cares for you. I, I can see some of you still have your anxieties. <laughs> now, I can tell you the last part of that verse is true. I do care. I do care. And I can tell you this is a caring church. Uh, Alice and I have been involved in church all of our lives, and we have visited a lot of churches over the course of the years. And this is a caring church. If you have any anxieties, if you have some concerns, please share it with the people here. The people here do care. And I would like to think that I care that after the service or sometime in the future, if you're having a concern or something that you're anxious about or worried about and you want to come and talk to me about it, I, I do care. I, I will try to do the best that I can to help you, to encourage you, to pray with you. But again, as I read that verse, I, what's the problem? I'm not adequate. I, I, first of all, I can't probably do anything about the problem that you're facing. If you're about to lose your job, well, maybe I can make a suggestion about where to look for a new job or something like that. Or if you're facing an illness, uh, there's probably not too much I can do there. I pray with you about that. Now, if you're a boy or a girl here and you're facing a big test this coming week and you're a little nervous about that, you're a little anxious, a little worried, well, I can give you some advice, but that's about all I can do. I'm not adequate for the task. But who is? God is adequate to the task. God is the one that we can cast our anxieties on. And he is the one that will care for us. We need to see him as he is. We need to see him in all of his majesty, his glory, his power. He is the one that literally holds the world in his hand. All the events that are taking place in the world today, all of the events that are taking place in our lives, God is in perfect control of those things. There isn't anything that is happening that is not out of his control. Now, I recognize that a lot of those things are not pleasant or good things, but God still promises to us work all things together for our good, and he will do that. 
we need, I think, more than anything to get a grip and, and a good understanding of who God is. I, again, I think I've said to you before when I've spoken before, my concern is for myself and for you that our God is too small. We need to see him in all of his majesty and his glory, all of his power. John was talking at the beginning of the service about the beautiful day and all that we can see around us. We look at that and we understand God made all of that. God understands what's going on in every single thing. You can look at the trees out here and you can look at the leaves blowing in those trees. There isn't a leaf on a tree anywhere in the world that God doesn't know what it's doing right at this point. Now you start thinking about it and it starts to blow your mind a little bit about how magnificent and glorious and powerful God is. I can cast my anxieties on him. I can do that because he is the one that can, is worthy of this. Now it also says that he cares. Now, we look at the fact that many aspects of God, he is powerful, he is omnipotent, he is all-knowing, all of these things. And we also talk about the fact that God is love. And that is true. God is love. Uh, let's take a look. Matthew 6:25. Matthew 6:25. I'm sure when I mentioned this verse that we were going to be looking at today, I think probably many of you thought of this particular passage. Matthew 6:25, and I'll read through verse 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. This is Jesus speaking here. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Have you ever thought about how many birds there are in the world? There's, there's got to be trillions of them. God is aware of every single one of them and feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is making an argument from the lesser to the greater. He's he's saying if God cares for the birds, if he cares for the flowers, will he not care for us? Aren't, Aren't we of greater value? Aren't we of greater worth than the flowers and the birds in God's sight? And the answer is, of course we are. God cares for us. He, he cares for our daily lives. He cares about what we're doing. He cares about our concerns. He's well aware of all of these events that are taking place. Okay, back to First Peter. First Peter 5 again. Testing all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. Now, it's not enough to know that, that God cares because if he doesn't care for me, then it really is not important. It really it doesn't mean anything unless he cares for me. Now, he might care for you, but if he doesn't care for me, then all of a sudden this verse is not meaningful but he does care for me. He does care for you. You, singular, not you, plural. You, each one of you sitting there in that pew that are hearing my voice right now, God cares for you. Now, he cares for us individually. Now, the greatest example of this, of course, is that he died for us. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, for me, while I was yet a sinner, I was an atheist. I, I was saying, there, there is no God. I, I was saying, he just doesn't exist. And, and God loved me and he was willing to die for me to forgive that sin that I might have a relationship with him, that I might know him, that I might be with him, that he would care for me. We can't really imagine the greatness of God's love for us, that he would die for us, but that in every aspect of our lives that he is watching over and caring for us individually. Now the question then becomes, do we believe it? Do we actually believe that? Do we actually believe that God cares for us? Now, again, I think that's where the difficulty comes uh, for many of us that we really don't believe that God cares for us. We really don't believe that he's watching out for us. We really don't believe that he has good for us. Now, I think part of the problem is for us 
is that we look at this care that he has promised us. And many times uh, we look at that and we say, Lord, that is not the kind of care that I want. I, Lord, if, if you're caring for me, that is not the kind of care that I want. Now, as I was thinking about this, and I, I thought of something that happened. It's a number of years ago now. <clears throat> as I mentioned, Alice and I were involved in a missionary organization for a number of years. And we were never on the mission field, but worked in the home office. And I, so, of course, we got to know all of the missionaries uh, within the mission that way. And got to know this uh, family in uh, Taiwan, the young couple and young kids serving in Taiwan. And uh, they had to come back uh, to the States. Uh, their eight-year-old son got cancer. Uh, this was... Uh, um, well, let me, I'll tell you the end of the story so you're not wondering how this is all going to come out. Uh, he, he is, the Lord was gracious and answered our prayers. The cancer was healed. He's a young man of 20-something now, and the last I heard, he's doing fine. So don't be anxious. Or if you are anxious, cast them on to the Lord. But at the time, I mean, he has cancer, and at original diagnosis was not good. I mean, there was some concern whether he was going to make it or not. And so, of course, they had to come back to the States, and uh, the mission suggested that they come to the Detroit area. Uh, there's lots of good hospitals in the U.S., but uh, University of Michigan and Children's Hospital is, is really a good one, and we had some connections there, and so we encouraged them to come back to the Detroit area. And get treatment there at the U of M Children's Hospital. And the treatment, uh, well, you know the treatment for cancer is pretty horrific. Uh, this little boy is getting chemotherapy. Uh, I think he got radiation, too. I mean, he's, uh, he's getting all this stuff. Now, the mission, uh, we would have uh, a chapel a time every day at the office. We have a half an hour where we would gather together, we would pray, uh, we would hear reports, we would do those kinds of things. And after they'd been with us for a little while, uh, we invited the couple to come to the office, uh, not, not their son, just the mom and dad, to come to the office so they could give us an update on how things were going with this little guy, and also that we could pray for them and just let them know that you know we're with you on this. And so they're there for the chapel time, and, and they're giving a report on their son. And it's, you know, it's heartbreaking to see them. They're almost in tears as they talk about all the things that he's going through. And it's, it's really pretty bad. <clears throat> I remember at one point the mom saying, you know, pray for him that he's gotten to the point now that any time we go to a clinic or a hospital and he sees a doctor or a nurse, he starts crying because he knows they're going to do something bad to him. They're going to poke him with a needle. They're going to give him some medicine. It's going to make him sick. They're, they're going to do something to him that he's not going to like. And so, like I said, it turned out well. The Lord was gracious in answering our prayers for him. <clears throat> but I would ask you, is, would there be anybody here that would think that those parents didn't care for their son? 
I, I would say no. I, I would say all of us would say absolutely. And I can tell you that they did. Uh, absolutely, they cared for him. Now, would there be anybody who would say that they didn't care for him? And I would say yes. I'm sure it was their son. I'm sure at different times he said to himself, they don't care for me. They're, my mom and dad are letting all these people do bad things to me. All this stuff that's making me sick. All these needles and all these exams and all this stuff that's going on. I don't think maybe my parents really care for me. Now, I think sometimes that's the way we get with God. God, if this is your care for me, I'm not so sure you really do care for me. Now, I think at that point we have to understand again who God is and understand again his great love for us and understand what he is tr trying to accomplish in our lives, the things that he is trying to see done in and out through us. Now, I don't want some of you to jump ahead of me here and make a, a conclusion that I'm, I'm not making, okay? Because I understand some of you maybe have gone ahead of me and are thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, I can see what Dick is talking about here. He's talking about sin is like cancer, and we've got this sin in our lives, and God is trying to get that cancer, that sin out of our lives, so difficult things happen to us. And that could be true. That could be true. That, that can happen. I, I don't dismiss that as a possibility. But again, you look at what First Peter is talking about. Who is he talking to? He's talking to these Christians that are in exile, that are being persecuted. <clears throat> I doubt seriously that they are sinning. I, I doubt seriously that what is happening to them is a result of their sin. It's a result of sin, somebody else's sin, I, but I doubt seriously that it's their sin. So I, I think we have to be careful when difficult things come into our lives, when bad things start happening to us, to automatically look and see, well, man, have I sinned? Now, that, I shouldn't say we shouldn't do that. It's always good to examine to see if there's sin within us and to take care of it. But I would say sometimes there's no sin there. God is trying to do something. God is trying to change us. God is trying to mold us, trying to be more like him. But not necessarily because of sin that's in our lives. Some things that he's trying to change. But he is at work. He is trying to make us more like Christ. And he, in his loving, caring way, he is doing that. And he sometimes allows difficult things to happen to us. Uh, God has never promised us that difficult things wouldn't happen to us. What he has said is he will be there with us. And just like those parents of that little boy, they were with him every step of the way. They were with him when he went to see the doctors. They were with him when he went to, for the treatments. They were with him at home, holding his hand or having him sit on their lap, comforting him and through the difficult things that he was going through. They were caring and loving him 
in the midst of the difficulty. And they cared because what they cared about was the end result, not necessarily the process. They wanted him to be free of this cancer. If you ask them today, they would say, praise God. You know, he's free of it. We, we need to look at the end result. We need to look at what God is trying to do in our lives and understand that he does care for us. Now, <clears throat> I also recognize it's a very great danger for somebody like me to come up here and talk about this kind of stuff uh, because it gives the impression that I've got this all figured out and, you know, that I don't have any anxieties or worries or concerns, you know, and... Uh, I also here to tell you, uh, I am firmly convinced that the Lord has a sense of humor. Uh, and because, uh, well, let me give you some dates here. I mentioned that I preached this message uh, to the men, the whole section here, First Peter 5 through 11. And it was on February 16th that I did that. Looked it up, make sure I had the right date. Uh, February 16th, I, I did that. On February 7th, I had cataract surgery on this eye. On February 21st, I had cataract surgery on this eye. Now, of course, I'm in preparation for teaching on the 16th prior to cataract surgery there on the 7th. And it was almost like the Lord was saying to me, Hey, Dick, uh, how's that message going? Especially that part about casting all of your anxiety on me. And I'd say, just fine, Lord. It's just going just fine. Because what was the Lord saying to me? Because I'm kind of anxious about this. I mean, they're going to operate on my eyes. Now, in spite of Anola giving me all kinds of assurances that everything will be okay, it'll work out, it's my eye that they're going to be operated on. And so I'm a little anxious about this. I'm a little concerned. And so I'm practicing this verse. I, Lord, I'm casting all this anxiety on you. I, I'm confident that you are going to care for me. Now, I promised I'd get back to the thing that I said at the beginning because I did the same thing. I just reel that thing back in, you know, a day or two later, and I'd start thinking about the surgery again, and I thought, oh man, what are they going to do? How's this going to come out? And be reminded of this verse again. Cast all your anxiety onto him. Now, again, I I mentioned earlier that we are always going to face uh, temptation. Uh, Temptation is always going to be there. I hate to discourage you. You're you're looking up at me, this old duffer up here talking to you. And believe me, just because you get older doesn't mean the temptations go away. They just get different. You get different temptations. Uh, You get different things facing you, different trials. But you're always going to be facing temptations of some kind. And to be anxious is a temptation. Because what it is, what what is it? it? It is Satan coming to us and saying, does God really care for you? It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, right? Is, is, did God really say that? It's the same thing he, he does to us. Does God really care for you? 
No, he doesn't really care for you. This is going to turn out much worse than you think it is because God doesn't care for you. It's, it's a temptation that we face. And any time that we face temptation, well, the Scripture talks about two things that we are to do when, when temptation comes. Uh, the first thing is that we're to flee it. We're, we're to run from it. Certain kinds of temptation, we're supposed to run from them. Uh, example would be somebody that was an alcoholic. And I, I would say to you, if you're you know, reformed to an alcoholic, God has saved you from that. Don't ever go into a bar again. Don't, you know, if somebody invites you to a cocktail party, don't go. Don't place yourself in a situation where you're going to be tempted. If, if you're struggling with pornography on your phone or your computer, put some controls on it. Put something on there that will keep you from being tempted. Flee from it. But the, the Scripture also talks about times fighting temptation. We are sometimes to fight it. And I think this is one of those things that we're to fight. Because anxiety can, will come to us. Anxiety's concerns will come to us. We'll start thinking about something in the future or some situation. And we'll start getting anxious or concerned. Those things will come to us. We are to fight that. And we fight that by casting it all on him. And you have to do it again. Cast it again. Cast it again. Fight as often as necessary. You keep fighting. Because what's the alternative? Well, the only alternative is to give in. The only alternative is just give in to temptation and to sin. But that's not a choice. So we continue to fight. I think people get concerned at times because the temptations keep coming. Well, keep, get, keep fighting. Keep fighting. Uh, God, again, has never <clears throat> promised us that we wouldn't face temptation or that it would never end. It will end when we get to heaven. But until then, we continue to fight. Now, one other thing related to this verse, someone might say, Lord, or to me, you know, I did that. I cast all my anxiety onto him, but he didn't take away the problem. It, it didn't go away. Well, the verse doesn't say that he's going to take it away. It says, cast all your anxiety on him and he will care for you. Now, can God take it away? Yes, he can. Is it wrong to pray that? No. I, you know, if, if you are facing something, if there's a particular trial or something that you're anxious about that's coming... If, I would be glad to pray with you and pray that God would take that away if that would be his will. And he does. Sometimes he does that, but sometimes what? He doesn't. He doesn't. But what he always does, what is he cares for us. He always cares for us. He doesn't necessarily say that he's going to take it away, but he will be there. And through all of this, we need to pray for Pray for grace. Again, what this does is it what casts us back onto Him. That's where we should be. We should be looking to Him, 
We should be seeing him. We should be depending on him in all of this. And again, this is not a once and for, once and for all fight. This will be a fight that you fight the rest of your life. And, but what it does is it helps you to prepare for the fight. It helps you to be more confident in the fight. When you look back and see how God has answered in the past, how he has cared. You know, Alice and I have gone through some difficult things together, and we can look back and see how God cared for us. We look at how he sustained us through that difficult time, how he brought us through. I think that we need to, again, see that God is sufficient He's sufficient to take care of the problem if that's his choosing. If not, he is sufficient to take care of us. That he loves us greatly and that we can depend upon him. We can see him doing great things in our lives. We can see him conforming us to the image of Christ. We can see the things changing within us as God is continuing to work. And so my prayer for all of you, again, I, I know, I'm sure all of us have concerns or anxieties of some kind, some greater, some smaller, but I'm sure we all do. But I would encourage you this day and tomorrow and the next day, continue to cast them on him. See him as able to take care of those things or to take care of you in the midst of them. That will sustain us. That will see us through. That will bring great glory and honor to him because he is the one that is doing it. Let's pray. Father, I I would pray uh, for each and every person here. I I don't know the situation for everyone, but Lord, again, I'm sure there are some here who have anxieties and concerns. Lord, I pray that uh, all of us would Cast those things onto you. Lord, we understand that you're perfectly able to take care of all of those things. You already know the outcome. You already know the result. Lord, we thank you for that great love that you have for us. Thank you that you are working all things together for our good. Thank you that you have promised never to leave us or forsake us, even in the midst of the most difficult trials Lord, I pray again for the people in Ukraine and for all that they're going through. But, Lord, I thank you for the testimony that I've heard of so many Ukrainian Christians that are praising you for how you have been with them. You have sustained them and helped them. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I just pray your hand would be upon us, that we would be growing in our faith. I pray that we as a people would be cooperating with that. Lord, that we would want you to do a great work in us. And Lord, we thank you that we are again privileged to gather together this day. And we praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen.